He is risen. He is Jesus and he is our Savior. Thank you for joining us this morning for our Easter celebration here at Shawnee Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in and we do pray that this morning would be an encouragement, a strength, and a blessing to you. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. And this morning, we'll take time to lift up Jesus Christ and Easter Sunday. What a wonderful truth. Would you bow your head with me this morning to ask God's blessings on our service? Father, we thank you and praise you for the empty tomb. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, the great love that you had for us to send your son to die for us. Uh, But three days later, that tomb was empty. We serve a risen Savior. And for that reason, this morning, we come to celebrate, to lift him up. And Father, I do pray that you'd speak to our hearts uh, through the events of the morning as your word is being preached. Would your Holy Spirit guide us uh, into truth? And Father, I do pray that your son, Jesus Christ, uh, would be magnified that this morning and today that he would have the preeminence in our life. And if there's one today that does not know your son, Jesus Christ, as their personal Savior, I pray today would they be the day of their salvation. I pray that they would see your son crucified, see your son risen again, and see your son with his arms stretched out, ready to receive the coming sinner. God, would you do a wonderful work and our hearts and lives this morning as we celebrate this Easter, the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask all these things in your son Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's sing together this morning. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, sing it with me if you would, please. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt amongst men, my example is he. Suffering anguish, despised and rejected, bearing our sins, my Redeemer is He. Could conceal him no longer. 
One day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose over death he had conquered. Now is ascended, my Lord, evermore. Living he loved me, dying he saved me. Married he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. Sing at last with me one day. The trumpet will sound for his coming. One day the trumpet will sound for his coming. One day the skies with his glory will shine. A wonderful day my beloved one bringing. Glorious Savior, this Jesus is mine. Living he I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer. At just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives today he walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way he lives he lives salvation to impart you ask me how I know he lives he appearing will come at last. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to 
sing it. Rejoice, rejoice, oh Christians. Rejoice, rejoice, oh Christian. Lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to Yes, He lives, and thank you for joining us for worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn to Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28. We will look there here in just a few minutes, Uh, but first we have the guys coming to sing for us this morning. There stands an endless mercy tree Every broken, weary soul Come find your rest and be made whole Stripes of blood that stained its frame Shed to wash away our shame From the scars, pure love released, salvation by the mercy tree. In the sky between two thieves hung the blameless Prince of Peace, bruised and battered, scarred and scorned, sacred head pierced by our thorns. It is finished was his cry. The perfect lamb was crucified. His sacrifice, our victory. Our Savior chose the mercy tree. went dark that violent day the whole earth quaked at love's display three days silent in the ground his body born for heaven's crown but on that bright and glorious day
soon will see his face and every tear he'll wipe away no more pain or suffering praise him for the mercy tree death has died love has won hallelujah hallelujah jesus christ has overcome he has risen from the dead death has died love has won hallelujah hallelujah jesus christ has overcome he has risen from the dead he has risen from the dead he has risen from the dead. It had been a long week, starting with the triumphal entry there into Jerusalem, the meal in the upper room, the garden, and then the betrayal by Judas, the trial, the scourging. We, we watched as he bore the weight of the cross, stumbled, and, and as Simon took the cross up, and we watched as those soldiers pounded the nails in his hand, and he was raised up for everyone to see, to be mocked at. We watched him as he was there crucified. We saw his body slump, and we knew Joseph uh, had made things ready for him, had taken him and placed him in his tomb. We saw and heard how the stone had been rolled in front. And now what? He's dead. But, but what about all those things which we had seen and heard? You see, to us, Jesus was different. Nobody taught like he taught. Nobody loved like he loved. Nobody showed grace like, like Jesus showed grace or mercy like he showed mercy. Nobody cared like he cared. Nobody healed like he healed. Nobody could forgive sins like, like he said he could forgive sins. And nobody could speak comfort like the way Christ spoke comfort to us. Surely we did believe that he was different. What about those things that he had said about himself? Didn't he say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We remembered when he said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and destroy. But I am come that they might have life. Life. They might have it more abundantly. I remember when he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. Is, is this what he was talking about? We remembered his words. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And yet, he's dead. 
We saw his crucifixion. We know where his body is lying. We, we saw the Roman spear through his side as his preparation. We, we saw the sealed tomb. Is it really over? The miracles, the teachings, the promises, it, promises is that it? Who else could, could speak the winds and the waves into obedience? Who else could feed a multitude with just a, a little lunch of a boy? Who else could touch blind eyes, cleanse a leper, heal those that were sick, forgive sins, and yes, raise the dead. Jesus rose the dead. And see, to us, he was more than a man. He was our Messiah. We believed he was the promised one. We believed he was Savior, the next king, the Son of God. But now, we watched him die. We saw him buried. Now what? It had been three days. The week is over, and for these disciples and followers of Christ, it had been a very long week. They were confused. They were unsure. They were scared. And they were even hiding in fear of the religious leaders. They were not expecting a resurrection. If they were expecting a resurrection, they would have been waiting there in the garden. If expecting a resurrection, they would have gathered enthusiastically outside of Joseph's tomb. If so, the ladies that morning would not have come to anoint the body of Christ. If so, they would have come ready to celebrate. If they would have been ready uh, and expecting the resurrection, they would not have been hiding for fear of the Jews. They would have been ready and waiting in anticipation for Jesus. If so, they would have believed the ladies' report. That brings us to our text this morning, Matthew Chapter 28, let me read for you verses 1 through 6. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. Verse number six, he is not here. For he is risen as he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. An empty tomb. A resurrection for the disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. This changed everything. And for you and I, it still changes everything. The resurrection that first Easter Sunday separated Jesus from any other teacher. It separated Jesus from any other healer or miracle worker. It separated Jesus for any, uh, from any other leader. You said others had gained followers. Others uh, were great teachers. Others who could heal and uh, would lead people. 
There would be others who would even claim that they would be the son of God. But my friend, there was only one, there has only been one resurrected Savior. Others have claimed to be God. Others have claimed to be the way to heaven. Others like Muhammad have claimed to be a divine teacher. Others have gathered followers, but only one conquered death. Only one broke the chains of hell. Only one resurrected Savior. There are many other religions this morning, but only one serves a Savior who lives today. You can deny it. You can ignore it. You can refuse to believe it. You can hate it. But it does not change the fact that it happened. It does not change the fact that on that morning he rose from the grave. I love what Sir Edward Clark, an English lawyer and jurist, wrote. As a lawyer, I have made a prolonged study of the evidences of the first Easter day. To me, the evidence is conclusive. And over and over again in the high court, I have secured the verdict on evidence not nearly so compelling. As a lawyer, I accept the gospel evidence unreservedly as the testimony of men to facts that were able to substantiate it. There has always been, and there will always be skeptics. There'll be some and still are who say that he really didn't die on the cross. He simply fainted in the cold air of the tomb, uh, rose him from an unconscious state. Some will say that the disciples stole the body while the guards were sleeping. Others say the ladies and, and presumably everybody else showed up at the wrong tomb. That the eyewitness accounts were hallucinating and conspiring together. If that's the case, then how would one explain the witness of death by the Roman soldiers? They certainly would not have made a mistake of this magnitude. What about the trained soldiers who were sleeping? How could they then know of what took place, not to mention falling asleep on watch was punishable by death? What about the grave clothes? What, what thief would take time to unravel a dead corpse? As for the disciples, they, they didn't even expect a resurrection. So why would they fake one? If the woman were wrong in the choice of the tomb, the chief priest and the Pharisees would have surely corrected them, thereby taking away any possible mistake. How does one explain that on Easter morning, the ladies were not concerned about going to the right tomb. They were concerned about how they would roll the stone away to anoint his body. What about Joseph of Arimathea? The tomb that, that Christ borrowed. Couldn't have Joseph pointed out the correct location? And then, what about the 500 eyewitnesses of Christ? those who claimed to see the Savior after he rose. The religious leaders of the day, the ones who crucified Christ, the resurrection would have been the biggest form of embarrassment to them. There is no way that they would have not tried to uncover every stone to prove and shut down the rumors that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. 
one more. And I believe to be the most powerful proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you really believe the disciples, followers of Christ, would have died for a lie? Do you really believe they would have given themselves as martyrs for a lie? Jewish historians tell us that Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew was crucified. James, the son of Zebedee, was killed by a sword. John was persecuted and exiled. Philip was crucified. Bartholomew was crucified. Thomas was thrust through with a spear. Matthew was killed by a sword. James, the son of Alphaeus, was crucified. Thaddeus was killed by arrows. Simon the Zealot was crucified. Paul was beheaded. Why? Because they believed in a resurrected Christ, enough to lay down their life for that truth. You see, the resurrection was the belief that turned heartbroken followers of a crucified teacher into the courageous witnesses and martyrs of the early church. This was the one belief that separated the followers of Jesus from any other Jew. You could imprison them, flog them, kill them, but you could not get them to deny their conviction that on the third day, Jesus Christ rose again. James Montgomery Boyce says in The Christ of the Empty Tomb, I repeat what I suggested earlier. Christianity, unlike many of the religions of this world, is not a religion of ideas primarily. We like ideas. Take a university course in religion, and you will find that they are filled with ideas. You will study the ideas present in all types of religions. You will be free to pick the ones that seem most satisfying to you, but this is not the way of Christianity. Christianity concerns historical truth. So whether you like it or not, or whether it appeals to you or not, this is what happened. Jesus died and was buried, which means that he really was dead, and then rose again on the third day, according to, to the scriptures. Because it is an undeniable truth that this happened, we come this morning to celebrate a resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. There in verse number five, and the angel answered and said to the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. Because he is risen. Because he lives, we are driven this morning to three important questions. Number one, because he lives, there is a choice for you and I to make. Will you put your trust in him as your savior? As the only way to eternal life. Jesus Christ, our, our resurrected Savior, did say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He did say, I am the door, and if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He did say there in John 6, 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. If any man thirst, 
Let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Romans chapter 10, verse number nine tells us that thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Saved from eternal judgment in hell unto eternal life in heaven. Verse number 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Pastor, you mean to tell me that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? What about my works? What about my church? What about my family? What about my, what about my self-righteousness? What about all these things that I'm, I have done and am doing to earn eternal life, to earn favor with the Father? We're reminded in Ephesians chapter two, verse number eight, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Pastor, you're, you're saying my, Eternal destiny, my salvation hinges on the resurrection of Jesus? How could that be? Paul writes to the church at Corinth there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 14, if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain. And your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain and ye are yet in your sins. You see, if Christ be not risen, then my friends, we are the most miserable of men. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. And when he rose from the grave, he completed the task. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. First John 5, 11. And this is the record. That God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God hath not life. We have here all the evidence we need to put our faith in the resurrection and to put our faith in Jesus Christ being our way. 
being our life. Let me ask you this morning, would you receive him? Would you put your trust in a crucified, risen Christ as your only way to heaven? God loved you so much. He sent a son to die for you, to take away your sins. But Jesus Christ did not stay dead. He sealed it, went up from the grave. He arose. Now he's putting a, preparing a place in heaven for those who put their faith, their, their trust in him. And this morning, would you be willing to put your faith in the sinless son of God, our resurrected savior, Jesus Christ? The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never called upon Jesus to save you, I'd like you to right now. If you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior, if you'd like to begin a relationship with the son of God, I ask you to pray this morning in your heart something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I cannot save myself. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave. And I ask you this morning to forgive my sins and take me to heaven when I die. I'm placing my faith in you and you alone for eternal life. In your precious name, amen. We said, first of all, there's a decision we need to make to put our faith in Jesus Christ. There's a second decision, a second question, because he lives for the Christian this morning. Will you live for him? Colossians chapter three, verse number one says this, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. If disciples were so convinced and sure about the resurrection of Christ that they would give their lives, that they would be martyred for his cause. Don't you think you and I could live for him today? Far too many Christians find themselves right now running for God, from God rather than living for him. Paul who spent much of his time persecuting the church, jailing, imprisoning, and martyring, killing Christians. After meeting Christ on the road to Damascus, giving his life for him, tells the church there in Philippians chapter three, verse number seven, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. We said, first of all, there's a question. Will you place your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal savior? For the Christian listening this morning, will, uh, because we serve a risen savior, will you serve him? Will you live for him? And thirdly, because he lives, 
Because he resurrected, would you allow Jesus Christ to resurrect some things in your life? There's some of us this morning, we need resurrected hope. We've lost our hope. Certain situations have brought despair in our lives. And this morning, Jesus Christ can resurrect that hope. Maybe you need resurrected faith. Things happen. We go through trials, temptations, difficulties. And we can say this morning that at times our faith wavers. And at times we lose faith. At times we have little faith. But this morning he lives. This morning we serve a risen Savior who can resurrect your faith. Maybe it's your relationships, your marriage, relationship with your children, friends. You may say there's not a marriage that Jesus Christ cannot resurrect. There's not a relationship that Jesus Christ can't uh, put his finger on it and bring it to new life. Maybe it's a resurrected lifestyle. The Holy Spirit of God has been speaking to you about changing some things, that conquering an addiction or, or giving up something or making uh, God and his word a greater priority in your life. And maybe you come this morning and say, Pastor Frost, I need uh, my life, my spiritual life resurrected. Jesus Christ can do that for you. First Corinthians chapter 6. Verse number nine, know ye not that the unrighteousness shall not, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such, Paul writes, were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Paul says, you were these things, but today you're not. And maybe there's an area of your life this morning that you need Jesus Christ to resurrect. Let me say, if he could rise from the grave, he could resurrect those things in your life. He can help you get the victory in your marriage. He can help you get the victory uh, as a godly mother and as a godly father. He can help you get the victory in those relationships. He can help you get the victory in breaking those chains of addictions. He can help you get the victory over health. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus Christ would love to breathe new life into you. Ah, it's my prayer that if you're listening this morning, you don't know Christ is your personal Savior, that today you'd place your faith in him. That this morning, if you're a Christian, a Christ follower, that you would decide to live for him. And this morning, if you have an area in your life that needs resurrected, it needs new life, it needs help. Because he lives, you can live as well. I'm reminded of that song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow.
by way of invitation, I've asked the men to sing that for us. If you know the words, would you take time to sing along and to lift up our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. God sent his son, they called him Jesus, he came to love, heal and forgive, he lived and died to buy my pardon, an empty to prove my Savior lives because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know he Because I know He 
Because he lives, what a wonderful thought for us this morning on Resurrection Sunday. Thank you for joining us uh, for Easter here at Shawnee Baptist Church. A little different than uh, previous years, but I'm so delighted that you and your family and friends had the opportunity to join us uh, by way of video this morning. Whether you're watching on your phone, tablet, computer screen, or television, I want you to take time now to like, comment, share, uh, pass this along. And would you ask the Lord to draw people to himself uh, today through the preaching of his word, not just here through Shawnee Baptist Church, but gospel preaching centers across the world that will proclaim and lift up a resurrected Savior today. My wife and I sure do love you. It's a privilege to serve here. And thank you once again for joining us this morning. Let's have a word of prayer as we close. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the wonderful privilege we have uh, to put our faith, our trust in the sinless Son of God. What a blessing that today we do serve a resurrected Savior, that there's no cause for fear or worry in our life because He lives. Thank you for your spirit and the decisions that were made in our hearts and lives this morning. And we do pray that, Father, you'd give us a wonderful Easter with our family and friends. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. In the name of your son, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Hope you have a wonderful Sunday.